Hi, this is a podcast for the best bits of the Breakfasters. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Triple R. The Melbourne International Comedy Festival has joined with Victoria Together to produce content for those of us in lockdown, and the result is the Stand Up Sessions, a brand new series featuring socially distanced comedy and chat with some of Melbourne's favourite comedians. It's hosted by Nazim Hussain, who joins us on the line now. Nazim, welcome to Breakfasters. Thanks for having me, man. I'm very excited to yeah have uh, to be on to talk to people, but also to, to have done stand up about a month ago. To a crew of five people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like, I'll take that. Even that's at the time I was like, oh, this is a bit, you know, this is beneath me. But now I am happy to talk to anyone and make funny banter at the chemist just uh, when I'm doing essential shopping. It, uh, it, 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 was, it, was, it was, I think that gig was more for us as comedians than it is for the audience. I think um, so as well. Like um, I was, I did one of them and it was, um, there's obviously doing the gig was fun, but everything else around the gig was like a reminder of why we love doing comedy. Like it was just the banter backstage and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Is that, you know, yeah. you have the oh, same? That's what I think what, what we miss, you know, as comedians is like, yeah, the, the, the performance is fun. Making the crowd laugh is a, a real joy. You know, that's why we do it in the first place, just to make people happier. But really, but the second most enjoyable thing about being comedian is the backstage crap that we tour, the sort of unfiltered, the stuff that would get all of us cancelled, you know, joke to joke. Like if, any, if any of those conversations ever got leaked, we're not, we're not, we can't We can't even get a job as a checkout. Like we would, we're barred from employment, I think. Our visas and citizenship should be revoked. Horrible conversation. But it's kind of what makes comedians do comedy and turn up to gigs, just that chat. So that was so – yeah. thank you, Victorian government, for giving us that opportunity. <laughs> I wrote down some of the things that you said backstage. Oh, did you? Uh, no, 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 no. I honestly think maybe just – just please burn that. <laughs> no. I, uh, yeah, I can't – all that stuff that you said about Muslims, I mean, I, I thought it was funny. I, I personally thought it was funny. But, um, oh, well, yeah, I was going to take it to the mosque, but the mosque is closed. But after lockdown, I'll, I'll see how they find it. <laughs> I mean, you've you've had quite a busy pandemic, haven't you? <laughs> a busy pandemic. <laughs> That's hilarious. Is that how you're interviewing like guests these days? How's your how's pandemic? How's pandemic? No, but it is, it's been it has been strangely busy. Like doing those gigs was uh, was fun, and you know now talking about them every week as the episodes come out. But um, also, uh, yeah, I did, I did I did an ad encouraging people to to, to, to mask up, and I've been. Um, I haven't been told as much as Shane Jacobson and, and Magda Zabanski, but I've had all sorts of people just send me articles. I had someone a letterbox drop me an A4 uh, fact sheet about 5G and how um, and how Bill Gates is behind it. And it's, apparently, I've already got a chip in my head, and um, I didn't even know. How did you address? I didn't even know. Oh my god! I was stuck in the loop. <laughs> but I, I, I'm no, look, I'm not very. Sh- I don't really mind if people know where I live because um, I'm so lonely. <laughs> I'm, I'm just exciting to get some mail. Long road. It's exciting. Like, honestly, I check the letterbox heaps of times, and I and I kind of enjoy being at my letterbox without my mask on because I'm technically inside my property, and uh, you know, like just it feels like I'm I'm, I'm cheating the law, you know. <laughs> Um, but, but I'm not, but I'm not. 
I'm inside my house property, but um, but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 been a, it's been a busy, it's been a busy couple of weeks since that's come out. People just make conversation with you on the street um, about their opinions and um, and, and lockdown. Bloody <laughs> hell! Um, and you also did the the that Australian lockdown comedy festival on stand. You're an MC. I saw you met your neighbours. Was that legit? Dude, genuinely, it was the first time I met my neighbours um, when I performed to the three of them in their driveway. <laughs> Actually, I invited them. I put a letter in a, and I rolled up in a toilet roll. This is back when toilet rolls were, were, were a commodity. And then I and I also invited the neighbours next to them. I put a, a rolled up an invite, a toilet roll. They both took them inside. My neighbours next to me, they text me back, say, yeah, we'll be at the gig, can't wait. The neighbours next to them took the letter out, put the toilet roll back on their letterbox and just never oh, came no. to the gig, never replied. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if they just hate me, but then some. But then my neighbour said, no, 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 they had a kitchen fire and the elderly woman might not be alive anymore. So that actually made me feel better. They're like, oh, well, I hope she's – that's a good excuse. If she's not alive – then that makes me feel less bad that she didn't show up to the gig or reply. <laughs> that's an acceptable excuse. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, but I do wish her health. Yes. Yeah, I naturally. Death, you can't wish a dead person health. But I, listen, think, but I, hope she's... I think they just put the toilet paper roll out as a protest. That was just a little... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you've got to connect in different ways. People are putting teddy bears in the windows still, which makes me sad. Have you seen that? Walking down the street and teddy bears are in windows. Apparently kids are supposed to feel Mm. happy when they see them. It just looks sad. It's like a teddy bear trying to get out. (laughs) Just looking at the outside world. Um, I don't know. I've been – there's not much else to do these days. I just walk – I actually count the teddy bears. Also, I've been competing on the Apple Watch. Oh, this is not a product. I've been competing on my smartwatch with um, with with friends. You know, you can you've got to do the step thing, and it tells you. But um, but you actually genuinely you have to do the exercise. But I found a hack. You can choose, so you can do strength training. You can do um, you know outdoor run or walk. But there's one called Mind and Body, and normally it tracks your heart rate. But that one, because it's meditation, it just it sort of tracks it as if you're doing a brisk walk. So I just leave that on. And uh, I've been smashing my friends. Um, so that's the other thing I've been doing. Um, just doing heaps of fake meditation. <laughs> <laughs> Probably goes against all yogi principles, lying about meditation. But that's all the things that I've done. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing us up to speed. I, I guess we, we should, um, for the purposes of the, the chat, tell us who you have on the sessions. Oh, mate. I mean, Geraldine, you're on. Uh, yep. I've got um, Frank Woodley, Reese Nicholson, uh, Emma Shiano, Denise Scott, uh, Annie Louis. There's a heap of like bigger names and and some some names that are also up and coming as well. Um, Daniel Connell's on there. It's it's honestly it's it was one of the most fun gigs I've been a part of, and it, it feels awkward, sounded awkward doing it with the idea, but actually when you watch it, it's it's a really fun show. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I think, I think it's was, it was probably one of the better, and it's been, some of these clips have been going around the world, like saying, this is how you, this is how you entertain your, you know, society when they're in lockdown, you know, look at Victoria in Australia. So I think, I think people around the world are probably just as interested as, as the performers. Oh, are. wow. <laughs> Dead set. Yeah, so. Yeah, uh, so. yeah. So you're a bit of a public service announcer role model at this point. 
it's no. it. <laughs> okay, I don't think you call me a role model after I just wish death upon my neighbour. <laughs> but he, what about comics? Are they in the audience for this show? Like to to pad yeah. the numbers? Well, so the crew were in. They all had masks on and or operating cameras. And then, so for instance. Yeah, there's three comedians per show, and the two comedians that weren't on stage were in the crowd making up like 40% of the audience. So <laughs> normally we don't really listen to each other's jokes. You sort of side a stage smirking and then like, oh, yeah, I kind of get the point of that joke. Or you'll laugh <laughs> things go badly. But this is the first time we actually had to sit there attentively and laugh when we were supposed to. It was the most I've watched comedy in my life. I, <laughs> it was I don't know. How did you feel? Like, I felt exhausted by the end because, like, Imagine being an actual audience member having to watch comedians and you've got to pay attention to all their jokes. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of work. They pay for that. They pay for that. It was hard, but you had to do it, you know, multiple episodes. I only had to do it for one episode. So. <laughs> I, say, I think we're the worst at publicity. Like, we're like, you had to do it for five episodes. I had to do it for one. Anyway, <laughs> tune in. Like <laughs> a subscription. <laughs> People are losing their mind, honestly. Like, uh, yeah, this is a weird, one of the weirdest things that happened to me the other day. I was going for a walk, mask on, headphones on, woman walking towards me, saw me. Started like yelling at me. I didn't hear what she was saying because I had my headphones on. So I took my headphones off and said, "Sorry, what was that?" And she said, "You're walking too slow, mate." <laughs> and she kept, she kept walking like she was walking towards me. And so I just picked up my pace because I thought there's probably a new regulation I'm unaware of. And I'm, I'm the face of this ad campaign. I'm gonna bloody do the right thing. So I went home and I googled, and there's there there no new laws about how fast it works. <laughs> But, uh, so there's, there's a lot going on, guys. Oh, my God. But, uh, make sure, but this should be part of your schedule. Seriously, what else is anybody doing Tuesday yeah. night, 7.30 p.m., together.big.gov.au? It's free. And, um, you know, laugh with us or at us. Um, but all, there's no train wrecks, you know. Normally at a gig, there's, there's a couple of, you know, a couple of jokes that fall flat. And uh, they've probably been edited out, actually. But I've seen all the episodes. They're, they're, they're great. Right. And and how how the interview with Geraldine go? I mean, that, we edited that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she can talk. She can talk. She's, she's good. So, um, I mean, probably all the years of radio, it was. But, um, but no, it was not about Agapanthers. <laughs> oh my god, the Agapanther conversation. I don't know if she's talking to you guys about Agapanthers. Yeah, but very much. Just, every time you said Agapanthers. <laughs> It's, it made me cry with laughter. I, I, I really hope people at home feel the same way. Or I hope it's not just a me thing, but it was one of the weirdest. <laughs> Agapanthus. That's the way you say it. The cadence. <laughs> Can you please just make a T-shirt that just says Agapanthus? <laughs> We've all lived that journey with Geraldine. <laughs> um, well, the stand-up sessions is five episodes, and uh, it started mm. 25th of August and mm. continues. You can tune in each Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. via together.vic.gov.au yeah. and all the episodes uh, that have been shot are up online. Otherwise, I'm just in my driveway, guys. <laughs> Drop him a 5G letter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On your name. Thanks very much. Melbourne's own Triple R. Do you want to know what um, we had for dinner last night? Yeah. What? Uh, fish, pan fried, flounder with brown butter, um, and it was so delicious. And I think things are obviously things are so much more delicious when you you know make them yourself when you cook it yourself. You know that it's you know. 
made with love and attention and stuff and it's really nice but also you hit a whole new level um of taste when you catch the fish yourself <gasps> you didn't wow. yeah mate i don't well believe done. it really yes absolutely do you know what it was? We um, so we went. Uh, Kath and I decided we'd go, you know, fishing yesterday. Yesterday morning, um, like after the show, we were like, you know, because we looked up. You know, we worked out the best time to go fishing is just after the um, the tide goes out or comes in. Kath was doing it because I can't remember. She just worked out that if the weather was nice enough, straight after the show, we should, you know, go down to the. Um, to the jetty nearby and go fishing. Um, so I will give it a go. And is it like, we've been fishing there so many times before, like not recently, but just every now and again, we'll just kind of pop down and we'll go fishing. And we've never known what we were doing. Like we just kind of put on a lure, chuck it in and then kind of reel it back in and cast off again you know um and that act itself was kind of it's kind of enough and you know we never really go fishing with the plan to actually catch any fish like it would be a miracle but uh, Kath like yesterday was like nah I want to know what I'm doing a bit more and classic Kath like got on YouTube and kind of looked up you know um just, you know, tips on fishing and what lures to use and what to do when, you know, and all that kind of stuff and the best places to fish and <clears throat> and kind of worked it out and kind of with the stuff that we had, she went, oh, yeah, I'll try, I'll try this lure. And then, yeah, caught a bloody f- flounder. Like it was just like, I like I didn't catch anything. These. I know, right? I know. Just like, you know, after watching, you know, a few YouTube videos, just went, oh, okay, I think I've got it. Like I cast it and I kind of jiggle it and then I just slowly reel it in. And it was after a couple of times of doing that, she's like, oh, oh my, like just, you know, got one and was like, oh, my God, I can't believe. So she ended up catching two. Um, yeah, and we, we had it f- for dinner last night. How long did it take? Uh, we were down there for about half an hour or so. That is ridiculous. Like, there's people who go fishing and for hours and don't catch anything. I know, right? I know. Like, it was, you know, it was about after about half an hour of fishing that we caught our first first one. Still, um, that's extraordinary. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Did I'm you so really? full of shit, though. <laughs> oh. I, knew it. I knew you were lying. <laughs> I hate you. So we fished for about 10 oh, minutes God. and it started to rain and then we... <laughs> God, what a fantasist. Do you know, can I tell you, though? You said you were going fishing. At the end of the show, you said, like, we're going fishing, we have no idea what we're doing. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's keen. Because yeah. having, like, watched people fish before, I know that it can take ages. And oh, so you fully, literally reeled me in just then. <laughs> Oh, no. I knew, like, it was trying to, trying to, um, I knew, Danny, you'd be relative, like, you'd go with it, no problem. But, Sarah, I knew as soon as I'd mentioned that I caught a fish, there was no way that you'd believe it. So I had to kind of, this morning I was trying to look up, um, you know, 
words. you know, to try to val- validate my story, like try and think of, so I knew what I was talking about a little bit. Um, so I looked up, you know, what kind, you know, that's how I found it, why I said flounder because that's actually available, you know, that's what people catch oh, yeah. where we were fishing. Um, I looked up the recipe for flounder, so <laughs> hook you in with that. Oh, um, love it too. Hey. You just, you know, the old adage, the bigger the line, the more people will believe it. It's not mm. just one fish, two fish. Two, yeah, two, like one each. Um, and I was about to ask you who gut it, and I was just impressed that you also knew how to do all of that, scaling it, gutting it. It's a, it's oh, a whole yeah. process. Is it even, we didn't even get that far. But in the process of doing my research on fishing, I've discovered the world of um, amateur fishing videos, and <laughs> they are – very entertaining. <laughs> like I just apparently there's a lot of wannabe um, host of fishing shows out there, and um, and it's just the camera work is exceptional, the characters that you meet, um, yeah, it's really fun to delve into. There was one that I watched where where we were fishing yesterday. Um, there was a guy that obviously had something, you know, was had caught something but we don't know what it was and at first and it just seemed like this guy came over with his camera and just started commentating this guy <laughs> I'm like I don't think they knew each other it was just this guy that came and goes oh he's got a he's got a big one here uh let's see oh he's reeling it in like it obviously it's commentated by a guy that I don't think knows much about fishing at all and it just kind of Kept on like getting close ups of the of the rod, like in the reel on the rod going in. He goes, Oh, he's letting it out a bit and then uh yeah, he'll pull it back in. And he goes, Oh, it's a big one. Could be could be a stingray or it could be a shark. And the whole time you're just like, Oh, geez, I don't think it'd be oh maybe it is a stingray, who knows? Or maybe it is a shark in this river. But that you know, it's possible. And then but then the video just ends and you never know what the guy called. Oh, what a tease. <laughs> yibbity yum, yibbity. You say yibbity yibbity. <laughs> yeah. Triple R. What a treat to check in with our Friday funny bugger, Nat Harris. Hey, Nat, what's news in your world? Oh, you know, nothing much. Just <laughs> cruising along. <laughs> what an exciting way to start a segment, hey? Nothing much. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this, this is it. Just a bit of this for the next 10 minutes. Um, no, today I wanted to talk um, about neighbours. Um, yeah. Everybody needs good neighbours, don't they? Because um, I think obviously we're all in Victoria and if stage four restrictions aren't enough, um, I've spoken about this before, but I have a bit of a, an overbearing um, body corp member who likes to leave like handwritten notes around the apartment block. Um, and you know, he's been really good or they've been really good throughout the lockdown. There's been no aggressive notes. And just last week, he's obviously been pushed to the limit and, and put up quite, quite an aggressive note. Um, I won't go into the note too much, but I will just give you the start of it. Okay. To set the tone. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So just also as well, note he, um, the note is typed. It's all in caps and red, okay? Whoa. Um, yeah, so I think the font, his formatting choices speak volumes. But um, the letter starts with, to the dumb effing residents who insist on putting XYZ in the recycling compost bin. Please don't. So that, that that's just the vibe. I won't go into the letter, but he's waged a war on the compost bin. Um, I also will mention, and I hate when people are really like pick out people's spelling mistakes and grammar. Like people make such a fuss over it. It's like, oh, look, get over it. It's fine. I find it a bit snobbish. But I will point out that he did spell dumb in capital D-U-M. So, wow, (laughs) poor puppet. But like, I guess it just got me thinking. I'm like, okay, I get it. We are all pushed at the moment. Like, I too have fantasies about slashing the trampoline of the kids next door. Um, Mm. Obviously, I would never do it. So I'm just thinking. Look, and I think now that we're all inside, we're we're learning more about our neighbours, aren't we? We're hearing all different sounds, and I think it's important. (laughs) <laughs> what, what are you giggling at, Jody? All different sounds. That, in my mind, there's just one sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All, a range of sounds. Um, so I think that if we are, I think it's important in this time that we address our needs, but we also maintain a sense of community when we approach these issues. Mm. Um, so you know, I've just got a, um, a few tips on like what's worth addressing. Okay, what's worth letting go, and then, and then if you are going to, how to do it? Because I also work for um, council in customer service, so mm-hmm. I'm also getting um, noticing a real increase in the in the neighbourly complaints. What? Are, who's going to be in more more in touch with the public mood than you? Exactly. <laughs> You're speaking to a neighbour's expert. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can tell you one of my favourite calls to do. So these are some examples mm-hmm. um, of maybe things you can let go. I had a caller come through a few weeks ago um, to council and they wanted to escalate the call straight to the mayor and I said, okay, um, look, can I ask what this is regarding? And they responded, and this is one of my favourite things I've ever heard. I said, yeah, what's it in regards to? And they said, a trespassing cat. yeah so i think that could be a great example of something that you can let go of at the moment um um, during covid um so yeah that's an example yeah Um, just back to the um the person complaining about the trespassing cat yeah um did you put them through to the mayor or what happened (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I escalated it straight to the mayor and I no longer have a job. (laughs) Um, There's processes in council which I um, don't understand. Um, Yeah, I had another one, um, someone call up and talk at length and they just really wouldn't give me the specifics. They just wanted to talk hypothetical. They wouldn't specify whether it was them but it was about What's council's um, stance on if there's a lemon tree 
and the branches are overhanging over the fence. Mm-hmm. And if there's a few excess lemons and if someone was to walk past, you know, and, and grab one of these lemons with the branches that are hanging over onto council land, what's our stance on that? Do we consider that theft? <laughs> Is this someone that's stealing someone else's lemons? Like I'm like, can I can I ask? Can you give me a bit more context? Are you personally worried that someone's stealing your lemons, or are you stealing lemons? I don't think we have a hard line on this. Um, so you escalated to the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> I said this is a stage four escalation. <laughs> it's so funny as well when people call up about their neighbours. Uh, you know, we always encourage people to try and rectify it themselves. But the amount of people, adults, like it's like regressing to like primary school. They're like, but can't you do it? They, I realise when anyone anyone's talking about the neighbours, they just want someone else to come and intervene. And it's like, what do you think we're doing? Do you think like... We just like got the car in idle, just ready to drop. Give me your address. I'm coming over. They're like, can't you just knock on the door and ask them to turn it down or tell mm. them to stop that? I'm like, I love it. I love the expectation. Well, what are, what about your neighbours in this trampoline? I mean, is what is the problem? Do the springs need greasing? Is it is it the noisy children? The noises they're making. What's the yeah. deal? Yeah, they're just on it constantly. It's just too much fun. Yeah, just and because I'm in an, an apartment block, <laughs> it's just constant. And particularly, it's just like a bit of a sore point because it's like there's the trampoline they're renovating. Like this neighbor is like clearly avoiding their family. They're just like he's been tinkering with this water pipe for eight weeks. I don't know what he's trying to achieve. He's avoiding them. He's drilling. He's tapping. The kids are on the trampoline. There's tradies. And look, I'd, I'd never do anything. And then also the kids are obviously homeschooling and someone's learning an instrument. Oh, God. <laughs> so it's an absolute circus next door. All right. And I don't want to be a monster. Like, what are you doing? Like, I understand that they're in a predicament. So um, I've written a letter. um, And I think if you're going to write a letter, like, keep it friendly. Um, So I'll read to you the the letter I sent to my neighbours in regards. Where is it? In regards to the noise. Um, So I wrote, dear friendly and valued neighbours, I I hope you are um, coping okay during the difficult time. Your garden is looking tops or, you know, this is a great point to, you know, give them a compliment, either comment on their garden or their car or your car is looking very clean. I said, um, your kid, let's call him Trevor, is coming, is really coming a long way on the trombone. I can hear, I can hear him from every room in my house. So that should just really emphasize the noise without just telling them to be quiet, shut mm. up. And then I wrote, does he take requests? Question mark. I wrote, I'd love to request the sound of silence by Simon <laughs> Maybe we could have a 5 p.m. performance on Friday. You and your partner should dress as Simon and Garfunkel. Matching turtlenecks, question mark. I I would love to sing a bridge over troubled water acoustic for you guys. Please RSVP 
kisses your neighbour, Roxy Bloomberg. (laughs) 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 Um, So that's just a really, that's a big tip there. Never give your real name if you're going out with a letter. So I just thought, look, I'll make my point that the kid's being noisy, but then I'll just throw in some other stuff, distraction, you know, misdirection. Mm. Option another approach you could do um, with the neighbours with your message is maybe you could do the love actually scene with the cards. Oh yes, yeah. You Pretend can just corollas. What did you say, Geraldine? Corollas. Yeah. What are they? Carolers. Carolers. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them it's carolers. Play Holy Night in September. It's it's confusing, disorientating. It'll soften the blow somehow. Um, and, yeah, then they go in with any luck next year. What else did I have? Um, or if you're worried that you're the perpetrator of the noise, mm. I know I was speaking to my sister about this yesterday and she's been doing online classes, aerobics classes, and she loves to exercise. It's really important. I mean, it's it's, it's important for everyone, whatever. But she does a class quite early in the morning and she says, I have a speech prepared in my mind. She's like, I'm just constantly waiting for someone to go, all right, that's it, that's enough. And so she's like, I know my points. And basically she says it changes day to day, but most days it's just like, I'm not giving this up. I'm not giving this up. And then a few dot points of like, we just have to deal with this. So I think that's also really important. Maybe if you think that you could be the victim of a door knock, yeah, um, to have your points and a really strong stance, maybe a bribe on you. A that's right. Beautiful. It's such a bizarre and surreal time. I'm worried that the dumb effer red font uh, <laughs> letter will be like there'll be a giant unusual suspects plot twist and you're the author. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, well, hang in there, Nat, and it's always great to talk. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. The Greek island of Ikaria in the Aegean Sea is known worldwide for its high life expectancies and low rates of chronic disease, much of which can be attributed to diet and has seen the region achieve status as a blue zone. The island is now the subject of a new book, Ikaria, Food and Life in the Blue Zone, a collection of recipes and stories from the Mediterranean island of longevity. And to tell us about it, the author and Australian-born Greek food educator, Minnie Vale, joins us on the line now. Minnie, welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, what is it about Ikaria that first struck you and that you now miss since none of us can presently go there? Oh, um, well, I first discovered Ikaria when um, I was um, just doing some research on the Mediterranean diet and discovered a quite by accident, really. And after I sort of delved more into what they do and how they eat and how they live, and because it was a Greek island and I'm from Greek um, background, I was very curious. So I took a huge leap of faith and went over to visit and made some wonderful connections. And what struck me about Ikaria mostly is about their slow pace. They've got this beautiful slow pace about the, the way they live and um, the people are just so so generous, so warm, so welcoming. They um, they have this philosophy of philoxenia, which um, translates to um, friends of strangers. So whether they've not met you before, if you still feel like you're part of the family. So they're, they're, just, they're just a beautiful people, a beautiful island, in fact, and really missing it this, this time around, thinking oh, mm. we would have been going over in about three weeks' time and... Um, the fact that I know what I'm missing out on is <laughs> quite difficult too. But yeah. yeah. Well, what is the uh, how how are the 
what are the subtle differences of the Mediterranean diet um, and that are appropriated and, um, you know, the, the, the isle, how does the island differ from a traditional Mediterranean diet? Yeah, well, it's actually um, a textbook example of the Mediterranean diet um, in its holistic sense, really. So it's pure, honest food enjoyed with community. Most of the people there um, grow their own vegetables and fruit and herbs. They use herbs in not in just cooking, but also in teas. They would grow their herbs and dry them and use them for different teas, for different ailments. So um, they have their, their goats, which they milk and make their own um yogurt and cheese and that kind of thing. Most households make their own um, wine as well, which is quite strong, and they drink it diluted. But I think the main thing that um, struck me about the way they um, the Mediterranean diet and the way they live there is the sense of community. So it's not just about the what they eat, but it's the way they eat it. And by that I mean sitting down at the table with family and friends and enjoying meals together, um, having wine always with food and always in company um, those are the sort of things, that sense of purpose, that sense of community is very, very strong. Even um, in that Mediterranean diet, the, the sense of community is the is one of the main things, I think, apart from what they eat, yes. Mm. The women the women on the island get an entire, an entire kind of chapter or segment dedicated <laughs> to them, and um, they have an extraordinary role in, in, in the way that the island is kind of is, is set up and, and you get the sense maybe run by women in some way is, is really fascinating. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the um, stores and um, inns and little cafes are run by women. The, the, the beekeeper was a lady called Lisa. And even talking to the ladies from um, the women's co-op, now, we really interesting women there too. They said to me, um, stories from their grandmother, they heard that the women, because the men would go off to, to work and make money elsewhere, the women actually ran the island. They ran the farms and they ran the island. They were very independent, a little bit different to maybe some of the other islands of Greece. So it's very, um, I call it a bit of a matriarchal kind of society where the women are the, one, the strong ones with um, a lot of the knowledge and the ones that run everything. So the women's co-op is a great example of that. There's about 12 ladies that actually um, started this um, little co-op and they started just by promoting the carrying produce and making cakes and preserves and um, pickles and things like that. And before they knew it, everyone over the island is coming and, and eating there and getting their cakes and especially the beautiful Portocalopita, which is the, um, the orange pie. So, um, that be, yeah, I know, it is divine. <laughs> I mean, kept on going back myself almost every day for a piece of that cake, if it was still there when I got there, because yeah. in the morning they just all go, um, and they're, they're savoury pies as well. So they became quite popular, and then, of course, they put out little tables out the front, and people would sit and have their coffee, and it's a real hub. Um, it's one of those meeting places, which there are many of in the island. So the women have... Um, quite a big role actually like I said they're quite independent very different to some of the other islands now that uh, you've forged relationships on the island uh, is are all the locals comfortable with you helping to popularize it or is is the idea of you exporting the spirit of the island celebrated or or do they tourists you know not necessarily as welcome as we might imagine 
Oh, no, I think, no, they're quite happy to. They're um, very welcoming, not not a problem at all. And um, I was there like, this time last year, of course, doing the photo shoot there with, with, my, with the team, and they were more than happy to help and promote, and they were, um, yeah, they were very pleased to do that. In fact, you know, I was cooking in, the, in their kitchen, some of the ladies and the people that I'd met, they said, you can come and use our kitchen menu, not a problem, you know, for your book. It's okay. It's just use mm. our kitchen and whatever you need out of the garden and let's go foraging in the morning. What do you need for your book today? What are you going to be cooking? Oh. So they were just gorgeous. And mostly there was a story, the day that I needed um, the seafood, we had a day dedicated to seafood on, on the photo shoot. And, you know, there was a man called Pandili and we were told he's in the next village, a little fishing village, just be there in the morning about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever, whatever time. There's no, they don't look good by the time. So we thought we'd um, we'd go down there and get our, our fish, you know, straight off the boat and... Um, we thought we'd walk because it was a beautiful day, of course. It took a bit longer than we thought. It seemed closer to us than when we started walking. It took, took us a bit of a while because we were walking along sand and took the scenic route. Of course, we get there and Bandili's gone. He's not there anymore. So there's a little <laughs> cafe just opening up. He said, oh, come on, man, just come and sit with us. We'll have some coffee. I've just made cake. So instead we were sat and had cake just out of the oven and coffee. And then Bandili's oh. mother turned up. And she said, oh, you're looking for my son? I said, yes, we are. We're looking for some fish. And there's not a problem of it's fine, we'll find you. Just go back to where you, you know, go do your work and we'll come and find you. And they did. Oh, he, did. Wow. he came and what do you need? And just open the back of the ute and there's all this yeah, amazing oh. fresh produce there. And yeah, so we felt really welcomed. We really, and always, yeah, always have been. It's been like going back to family, really. Yeah. It kind of hurts my heart hearing this at, at a time <laughs> Melbourne are in stage four lockdowns. It's just kind of transporting me to this beautiful place with this beautiful food and people. But um, one of the things that has and a lot of people have experienced, uh, you know, during lockdown, particularly in Melbourne, is this love, this re- reigniting or even a new passion for cooking. I'm a terrible, terrible cook, but I've suddenly had the time to open a cookbook and, and follow recipes and, and your yours is so inspirational and seems quite accessible if you could kind of hand pick a a a recipe out of there that you'd say to people this is one that you can you can give it a go even if you're not that great at cooking what what would it be okay I think you can give them all a go to be quite honest they're all really simple recipes they are really simple recipes and you can do it I think the one that stands out for me apart from the portofolopita which I said the orange pie which is everyone has to try that one because it is absolutely divine beautiful Um, there is one recipe that kind of um, talks about ikari and the soul of ikari I think and it's the one called sufiko and uh, it's a very simple simple um, dish it's like iconic um, ikari and it was traditionally cooked every Saturday and when the ovens were on for the weekly baking. Now, the story goes that um, a woman was asked by her husband, what are we cooking today? Or what are we eating today? Sorry. And she goes out to the garden, collects some vegetables from her vegetable patch and um, takes them inside, just chocolate, you know, cuts them by hand and tumbles it all into a, a tray and into the oven to cook. Now, and then she calls him back and she said, Sufika, which means I left you some. Mm-hmm. So when the locals tell you this story, you can just imagine um, someone going out into their vegetable garden, collecting vegetables in in their apron, just an apron full of veggies, going back, hand-cutting everything, and just that calm and the joy that comes from doing that simple, simple um, thing is sort of what is the magic of Ikaria, really. Um, <laughs> really simple recipe. Yeah. They all are. They really and- all are. 
But it's it's not just eating, is it? It's important to note that naps are also important. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that right though? Just to just to confirm, it's like the 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 approach to life and and you know having a rest during the day. Oh yes, I didn't hear that bit. But yes, definitely. They've um, yes, they they have this like I said, this slow pace. And um, the lady that I, people I always stay with, um, Fia and Ilya, Fia said to me once, "You need to take the time needed." And I said, "What do you mean by that, Fia?" And she said, "Well, the time needed, whether you're visiting a friend or you've got some work to do, you take, you actually allow and allocate the time needed for that particular thing, and that also is important to take a rest." So if you need a rest, you take the time needed. Mm. So this, yeah, the uh, it's and the photography, as you say, it just. I think I was just lost her, unfortunately. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's nearly. Oh. We got to get out of here anyway. But yeah. uh, it, we uh, that was uh, Many Vale, Australian Greek cooking teacher, who also conducts culinary tours of Greece. Um, and the new book is Acaria: Food and Life in the Blue Zone, out now via Hardy Grant. Triple R. We break into our off-air mezzanine chat to be joined by a comedian, friend of the show, and today's cracking wiser. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Alex Ford. All right, Sarah, leave the crack wisers to me. <laughs> That's my job here today. Are you okay? That wasn't going to be my question, but are you okay? Um, no, I'm clearly not okay today, but um, thank you for checking in. How how are you and whose dog was that? That's my dog. Um, he he's pretty well trained to go off as soon as anyone's recording me at this point. <laughs> um, I've known that now from all my Zoom meetings. Uh, he knows. Uh, he's angry whenever I'm talking to anyone, but oh, <laughs> needy pup. What? What? Um. What, where are you? What's going on? How are you? I'm, at home. Um, I'm very good, thank you. I'm in my new neighbourhood. Last time I spoke to you guys, I would think I was about to move house. Um, this is probably going to be the best day of my week, just because I'm talking to someone outside the house. Also, bin day, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> something to do. Something. To do. Oh, although that is a huge adjustment I've had to make. Is a new bin day. What, can I ask what type days your bin day are, and I'm going to tell you whether I think that's a good day or not. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll Did start you... Monday night. Monday night. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Um, I last the last one I had was a Sunday, which is arguably the best night I think. But what's yours, Jez? Oh, it's Sunday night. Congrats. Thanks, um, Sarah. Mine's also a Monday night. Oh gosh, I've just moved to Tuesday night. <laughs> that is, I mean, if I'm lucky, I'm in isolation because if I wasn't here in this, that would ruin my week. Every like, because I feel like Sunday. What a way to start the week. You've just, you're just already, you've achieved everything. If you can put that in out on Sunday night, you've got a clean slate for the week. Mm. Monday, still pretty good because Mondays are a drag anyway. So you're kind of like, oh, well, we've just added that to list. Tuesday. Put it. Do you know how much I hate this on a Tuesday? <laughs> like, even the only thing I could think of worse than Tuesday is Wednesday. That's the only thing. <laughs> Oh, hump day, I've gotten through it. And someone's like, you take out the bins. You're like, oh, God, all right. Someone I live with used to have Friday, which is pretty good because ready for the weekend. But anyway, basically, it is a good day because I have a clean slate. I get to talk to you guys. Um, what I actually wanted to talk to you about today is living local. It's all anyone yeah. talks about because that's all we can do. But 
Um, since I moved to house and I actually haven't been able to go anywhere cause I moved during lockdown. Um, I have been living local, but primarily I am addicted to the community Facebook group that I have discovered mm. of our area where I live. Um, you don't need anything else. I've decided once you get into this community group, there's so much drama. I also at this point lately, I don't even spend money. I'm just exchanging goods for other goods. Like I have this grapefruit tree here, hundred grapefruits. It's like, it's, they're not good grapefruits either. They, they basically taste like lemons. They're white grapefruits. And I put up in this group, I took a punt the other day. I put up in the group. I was like, would anyone like to do a trade? Uh, some grapefruits for another fruit. Living like a king. I've, I've had people contact me. I mean, to be fair, a lot of people contacted me being like, I'll swap them for lemons. And I was like, that's exactly what I said these days like. <laughs> but I also have nothing on. So I was like, sure, I'll take your lemons for my round lemons. Mm. Uh, but someone, uh, this, is the, this is the big exciting thing that happened. And I led to me breaking into a house in my own community. Um, yeah. So someone said, I will, do you like Indian food? And I thought, yeah, this is the life. This is living local. I was so excited. I was like, they're like, we will cook you some Indian food if you swap us for grapefruits. My God. These only- are, I thought these are mediocre grapefruits. They are. Why are they- people clamoring for garbage? No one has anything going on at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and also you can't go outside 5K. So anything that's like within 5K. Right. It's just so exciting. And you just hang it on, like, I just hang it on the door. But I was like, yeah, cook me some Indian foods. So this man, you know, a day later, he sends me a photo of these beautiful samosas going into the oven. I was like, great, excellent. But I was out uh, walking the, the jealous dog uh, when he brought them round, right? And he goes, is your house green? And I said, yep, my house is green. Just leave them on the stairs. He said, great. And then sends a photo of a house with samosas on it. I was like, that's not my house. Oh, no. And that house is not green. And those samosas are right up on the windowsill next to the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Which means he also messaged that you didn't leave any grapefruits for me, but don't worry, I still left you the samosas. I was like, I think there's not enough rooms to get free samosas, mate. This wasn't like... This wasn't a lie. I do have grapefruits for you. Like I didn't get an internet picture of grapefruits and then hope everyone would just bring me gold. (laughs) So I I had to message him like, that is not my house. And then he's like, oh, my God, I thought you just didn't know what green looked like. I was like, (laughs) what? Because this is a white house. I was like, of course I know what green is. And then, and then he's like, well, I'm gone now. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, where is this? And he'd gone to, like, house 15 away from me somehow. I don't know how he managed this. He's like, if I don't know what green is, you don't know what numbers are because it's just the wrong house. <laughs> in this house, right, this house has, like, got a big fence. Like, I can't believe he had the confidence to go in. I messaged this guy. I was like, I can't go in there. And he goes, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> Firstly, he was like really scared to go in. So I was like, okay. So anyway, at some point during that day, I like amped myself up and I went into this house and I snuck up and I stole back the samosas, which was still there, thankfully. Um, but I imagine it was just so cartoon-like if anyone had been home, which surely they were. No one is anywhere. Um, they would have just seen me sneaking up and stealing this like hot pie from the windowsill. <laughs> it was still smoking at these samosas. Uh, but that's, that's why I mean like, these, these 
these community groups lead to so much entertainment. And also you don't have to pay for anything, it turns out. Uh, people in this group, yes, say someone goes, hey, my kid wants a bike. Does anyone have a bike? And like 15 people were like, yeah, here's, I have a bike you can have. Oh, my God. I was, like, I was like, what? You could just ask for stuff? And then, yeah, the other day I, I put up the grapefruit thing and then so many people were like, look, I don't really have anything. I don't really want your grapefruit. They're like, but you can have some beetroot relish I made or you can have this and that. And I was like, this is amazing. amazing. I don't think I need money. I quit my job. Just <laughs> Yeah. Oh. I love the idea, though, of someone being home and seeing some random – dude walking in and going excuse me hello he goes yep just dropping off the samosas what where's my grapefruit i don't i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> it's, i'll just leave them on the window don't worry about it see ya <laughs> melbourne's burning man i mean no wonder there's all this community transmission and no one knows where it's coming from it's, <laughs> it's bloody alex mort <laughs> I did. I only did one. Uh, one. I had to sort of backtrack once in the community group. Was that a, a girl, a lady, had said, "Oh, my my daughter just moved to the other area. Is there anyone who would like to like go for a walk with her? Um, maybe with her dog?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm happy to do that." But then I realised that the daughter was 15. I was like, "Oh no, I don't, <laughs> don't want to hang out with your daughter." <laughs> So in this area, I have so far broken in, uh, being questionable about people's children, <laughs> yelling about the bin night, but um, I am loving living local, basically. Yeah. It's, I'm wondering if the dog's jealous or is just trying to protect you at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From all the trouble getting in. My goodness. My, my dad, by the way, is a member of uh, some neighborhood watch thing and uh he gets alerts but he's forgot his password so he only gets the first bit of a message and he can't click through to see the rest (laughs) and it was like there has been a horrific break-in at 4 15 a.m at dot 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 so where was it (laughs) how close anyway uh uh, one last thing do you guys have, have you seen spoonville Yes. Yeah, we've got one. One popped up here recently in the neighbourhood somewhere. Oh, how good is it? That's also yeah. something. I look around for these spoonbills, but I found one in my area the other day. Not a single spoon. <laughs> <laughs> they were all forks and knives because it was still called Spoonville. <laughs> so I'm not going to say which kindergarten it was, but I'll message you guys and Sarah, don't send your kid there. Thanks very much. Alex Ward, thanks heaps, and uh, we'll check in for another welfare check a bit later. Triple R. With Adam Christo away for Game Changers this week, we're joined from Triple R's Bite Into It by Daniel Maganti. Welcome aboard. Thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure. What uh, what have you bringing in? Um, the Longing. So a video game by a German studio called Studio Schuf. Uh, director or the auteur, if you want to be a wanker like me, is Anselm <laughs> Peter. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, this is a bit of a weird one. It's a bit experimental. It's... Um, a point-and-click adventure slash idle game. So I'm sure we're all familiar with point-and-click adventures, things like uh, Broken Sword, Day of the Tentacle, um, but idle games, maybe not. No? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't assume too much here. Okay. All right. um, 
uh, have we heard of things like, uh, say, Clash of Clans? Yeah. It's a little bit more broad. Yeah, so that's that's a kind of idle game where basically one of the mechanics of the game is to wait a certain amount of time for things to take place. So it takes 20 real game hours to mine uh, coal or whatever it may be. Um, generally, those kinds of games are pretty soulless because they're, the mechanics is based on the, um, the gameplay loop of you mine stuff to get upgrades to mine more stuff. So it's a, it's a, like a two-step process of just constantly upgrading. And um, so, yeah, this game is a, a little bit uh, like that, but it's a little bit more thoughtful and experimental, um, a bit more, uh, has a bit more soul. Um, so are we familiar with the Kiffhauser legend, more specifically the poem Kiffhauser Mountains Barbarossa by Frederick Rukert? No, mate. No. I, I was waiting for you to bring it up. Yeah, no, me either. <laughs> Apparently it's based on that, but it's like an old uh, Germ- Germanic poem uh, about a, a little dwarf that has to wait uh, to wake up a slumbering king. Um, so the story begins with an underground king of dwindling power sitting on his giant stone throne. And this is the longing we're talking about right now. Yeah, this is the longing, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> He conjures a shade into existence uh, for the sole purpose of standing by to wake the king in 400 days once he has consolidated all his strength. Um, The shade is this little shadow character that has bright yellow eyes and looks like Dobby from Harry Potter if he fell into a fireplace. He's just completely black. Um, It's kind of a pathetic figure, sort of, but like also sort of cute and innocent. Um, It's also referred to in the game as a shade, not the shade, which kind of has this weird... Uh, effect on the player. Well, it did on me anyway. It's like this sort of distance as you're controlling the character. Um, it's uh, And the real selling point of this game is that those 400 days that the Shade must wait to wake the king pass by in real time. So oh, when oh. you start the game, you have 400 days to essentially wait around to, to wake the king. And that's gen- the, the main objective of the game. Uh, but of course, uh, there there may be ways around that. So, um, did anyone try put the king's finger in a glass of water? I mean, what, what, why why is the king anyway? Yeah, please continue. Fill us in. King sleeps for four hundred days because he says his strength is dwindling and he must conserve it all for whatever may come next. Uh, oh yeah, fair that's enough. Unclear. And so, did you when you were playing it? Did you just change the time on your computer? Yeah, so that's the thing. I haven't done that. It's it's only been released uh, since March 30, so the game couldn't technically have been finished yet by anyone. Oh, right. If you're following. Wow. Um, but there's a the, – you have a – your character has a little uh, room off the throne room, which is like his cosy little waiting place, and he's got like an armchair in there and a little uh, table to do art studios with. He's got a piece of coal that he can write paper on. Um and basically, you can if the more you cozy up your little hidey hole, uh, the more time part, the faster time passes in your uh, little area. But you can send, you start to realize that you can send your shade on uh, ex- exploring the kingdom, the the halls and the mines and the the vast treasures of this kingdom. Uh, and the problem is he moves incredibly slow. He needs a good foot up his ass, this this shade, because <laughs> it takes essentially 45 minutes to get from one small spot in the kingdom to another small spot um, in the kingdom. Is, so it, is, is it possible? Can you throw shade? 
You can't you can't throw shade. I'm 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 spitting shade at the shade. Like move it. But uh, um, yeah, he, he, it takes a long time. So the idea of this game is that you meant to send him on a. Once you've done a bit of rudimentary exploring, you bookmark areas uh, that you can call back to and say go back to this place, and you shut down the game. The game time passes while the game's still shut down, and. He, the shade can move from place to place while you're outside the game. And you just say you set him a task, come back eight hours later, and he's done the task and maybe back in his home uh, reading reading a book. Uh, that's another thing. Is, is um, it, it kind of sounds draining. Oh, it's not fun. It's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I had fun playing this game. It's, it's more contemplative. And at the, at the risk of... Living up to my wanker title, it can be profound. So it's um, oh wow. So the the idea is not really to have fun. Like it de- it deals with themes of loneliness and isolation, which I'm sure no one can relate to at the moment. <laughs> um, but it's it's telling a, a story about like uh, like Judy as well, because you have to wait 400 days, but you're exploring this kingdom. Uh, Spoilers, eventually you may be able to find a way to escape the underground and reach the surface, so he's longing for a time. As as he walks the halls as well, he's essentially speaking to nothing, saying it's lonely here or I like to think about nothing. Or And uh, he says he, he's never seen the light of day, which is uh, more emotional than I expected it to be. When he said that, my heart broke a little bit for this oh. fireplace dobby that uh, I have now have a massive connection to. Um, yeah, so it's, it moves at an excruciatingly slow pace and uh, the, there are ways to make it faster. So the more you cozy up your little hidey hole, the faster time goes. So instead of ticking down one second, it'll tick down six seconds at a time. Um, and also there's a bookshelf in your, in your room where you can read books. Uh, like your shade can literally read Moby Dick. Moby Dick is available from the very start, um, which is helped, like this was brought about with the help of uh, the Project Gutenberg. So um, when I say public domain, can I get a hell yeah? Public domain? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, Yeah, everyone's excited about public domain. Um, So also the soundtrack is minimalist, atmospheric and oppressive in the right places. So there's uh, scenes where you must crawl through tight cave spaces and the the soundtrack suits that very well. Uh, I wouldn't say it's not a it's not a banger. I'm not going to put it on my uh, Spotify playlist, but it, it definitely suits the environment. Um, the actual gameplay is pretty bare bones as well. You're just double clicking where you want the shade to go and one button to interact with everything. So not much gameplay in a game, uh, which is yeah kind of minimalist design to go along with. Um, yeah, as I said, main themes of the game are isolation and loneliness. Um, and yeah, there's multiple endings to the game. So if you had unsupervised time to contemplate escaping your prison, um, you'd have an idea on how to do it too. So I'm amazing. Yeah. So, and so if you ta- want to spiral into existential dread further, 
Yeah. Play this game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, All right. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> the longing. An, an indie point-and-click adventure idol video game. I wonder what will come first, because a vaccine or the end of the longing? <laughs> Hopefully the vaccine. This is a very good game. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel McGarnty, uh, thanks heaps. It's called The Longing. And uh, just quickly, where can you get it? Uh, on Steam on PC. Uh, I don't know if it's got any plans to come to any consoles yet. All right. Good on you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Triple R. You've been listening to a podcast, The Best Bits of the Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with Breakfasters via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or via the Triple R website. 